It's that time of week, folks. Sit back and relax as you join us on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John, and this week I'm joined by Danielle Caroli of King's Rock Farm. We've had her on the show before. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for having me again. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Nate had some sort of lamb emergency. I don't know if they were making lamb chops and it burnt or what, but uh, yeah, he's dealing with that right now. So, <laughs> I think that's not fair to Jen and her cooking, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, you never know. I mean, it, no, it sounds like a neighbor came with a sick uh, lamb kid and they're trying to get it up to snuff. So hopefully they're successful with that this week. And oh. uh, maybe they'll have a new lamb kid in their barn. Who knows? <laughs> Poor things. That's that's usually how it works. The Oops, we can't take care of this. Can you help? Oh, you guys are doing such a much better job than <laughs> yeah. we are. You can keep it. It's cute. You'll like it. Your kids yeah. will like it. As as payment, here you go. Here's a lamb. <laughs> and Half Barn Farm is now having lambs as well. <laughs> they used to raise sheep back in the day, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh, I'm sure. And it's not like that, that poor lamb is not in capable hands at all. Probably better hands than where it was before. Yeah. So yeah, who, who knows? Really <laughs> <laughs> so... So we were kind of talking before, but uh, how's your kidding season going? You you surviving? You know, getting enough Duncan? Getting enough Duncan, though I haven't. I found out that it can deliver to um, me, and I haven't used that service yet. Though oh. I am, I know that's what it's. It's like my saving grace of you know, talk me off the ledge. Okay, worst case scenario, I can get it delivered. But um, I do have my home espresso maker that has been pumping out shots and shots of espresso oh it's not fancy it's vital it's essential um we started a coffee (laughs) subscription and we tried several types of coffee that this one company makes and realized that their coffee was really good and decided that we were going to join their coffee club where they send you a bag of coffee two bags of coffee every two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And unfortunately, we realized as we were doing this that the coffee that we got, the four bags of coffee, which I think they're 12-ounce bags or something like that, um, we had four bags, and we went through it probably in less – Did you? can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, there was some can, weird sound. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're good. Um, so we realized we went through this coffee in about, I think it was like two weeks or so. I had We started in early March, and all two of a sudden, weeks. this coffee was gone. Well, there's three of us drinking it, um, and two of us are a little bit more heavy-handed in the coffee than um, the other, yeah, the third. Think? So. Oh, yeah. No, just slightly. So I make sure you're drinking plenty of water, too. (laughs) Don't ask my doctor how many cups of coffee I suck. 
yeah oh no don't worry water's good too but there is water in coffee so that counts um so and don't ask my doctor how many cups of coffee i listed as um what i drank so because that wasn't truthful but you know but i get to start it never sleeping. is <laughs> no it really isn't and i get to start sleeping full nights on the Tuesday because my youngest kids will be two weeks old and after that it'll be good until we have our last remaining those kids so life is good we're on the up and up <laughs> how about yours How's are it going? you guys uh, buck oh. heavy or doe heavy oh we're doing okay okay um we actually I think we have <laughs> one more buck than doe right now so we're just Not over bad. no I can't complain I can't complain. So but we've had <laughs> well, a low. So, so that'll mean that means the keepers will be yeah, keepers will be a lot easier for you. Yeah, I think I have less keepers than you right now. I only have two does that are definitely staying. So um, I think what? you have me beat. I have three, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there may be a third that may slide in and be kept, but right now I have my two and. The other does that I wanted to kid had bucks, so that was population control, and so we'll see. <laughs> that's that's uh, awesome when that happens. This year it was like, oh, I got a doe kid from every breeding. Oh, crap. Which ones am I going to keep? <laughs> so. Yeah, no, we didn't have that problem. We had a lot of um, very upset, I guess, moments in the barn when – I've been known to sulk when does don't necessarily kid the way I want them to kid. And so, you know, still bitter about a few, but maybe <laughs> next year and we'll go from there. Well, you have, you have plenty to breed for next year, so I think you'll be okay. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically lately it's just been kind of uh, – getting into the routine of things and getting my does to bounce back uh, condition wise. I have that doe gem that you remember, and she's mm -hmm. just, she can't gain weight to, I mean, she needs to get my genes in her because I, I gain weight by just looking at a pack of potato chips and she eats and she's just like, yeah, I'm good. So <laughs> hopefully she gets a little bit more cover on her. My yearlings are doing pretty good, but uh, it's always a struggle with that gem. So. Mm, I hate well, when those ones happen. Uh, I think I think this year was our last year kidding. I think I'm going to retire her just because I'm tired of fighting it. So and she's eight, so why not? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and it lets you keep some of your younger animals and freshen them too. So sometimes that exactly. balance presents itself earlier than a doe really not needs to retire but sometimes it just works out better that way and she can be a pasture pet for you or for somebody else and <laughs> exactly <laughs> i already have one of those with the nigerian <laughs> so what's another one <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> tell tyranny that <laughs> so uh but we'll move on to some ad good news here uh as there was quite a bit of uh stir this week uh one of the biggest stirs of the week was uh the couple directors pulled together and got at least eight. I know there was more than eight, but eight to sign off uh, for an emergency meeting, uh, meaning having the EC and the board of directors get together and talk about NG issues 
uh, which I think is the absolute right call. Um, what what are you feeling about that? Oh, I agree. I mean, even to just check and see where we're at as yeah. far as budget um, and spending and also progress so that this way there's no misinformation being spread. Um, thankfully, there's people who are putting out information and um, helping to kind of let people know what's going on. But there are things that people are seeing on Facebook that we're not getting official guidance from either on whether or not it is true or how we should act on it. So I'm not, I don't think there's a lot of misinformation going on, but there's not a lot of official information. So for instance, stamp duplicates are a thing we're seeing. There are currently two versions of a stamp duplicate. Yeah. As a judge, when you go to a show, you technically need the stamp duplicate that has the received by date. There was just the postal ballot that was accepted that says stamp duplicates are accepted for all of these animals, which is great and definitely helpful. But if people aren't aware that they need this stamp duplicate with the date that it was received by Agda, you're going to go to a show with your animal and get your stamp duplicate from the first time you registered that you received in your email from Agda. Right. And that you're going to present that as your stamp duplicate. And as a judge, I have to go on the guidebook and the guidebook says date received. However, is that really what's going on right now? Are we allowed to accept these others? And so those questions and several others have been brought to committees, but there's a lot of official wording that needs to be put out as we go forward in the season. And also, I know I've talked to the Agda office about it, and um, I had to make a call to them because I wanted the stamp duplicate with the registration number and the received by date for uh certificate of health for an animal leaving and they were very helpful but their understanding of a stamp duplicate is the one that was emailed to me with the registration number and not Mm -hmm. the one that has the received by date and the um and the registration number and right you know for shipping animals for this animal we were okay and ended up getting the um registration number and time but the wording for you know that is a stamp duplicate but in the eyes of APHIS or USDA or um, the vets it might not always work to be the one you need and if there's not this understanding or written rules to help you you kind of get put in a pickle so I think that there needs to be a lot of conversations happening on where we stand how far we're gonna you know what we have to do to go forward so i'm gonna unpack that a little bit because that was just a lot of stuff right (laughs) so (laughs) so with the with the emergency meeting uh it's going to be just ng issues um and that's so any other issues that might be going on with the registry uh just cannot be uh spoken of uh so anybody when i i'm hoping we're able to watch live and it's not just notes that we're reading um kind of like they did for convention last year. Uh, but basically anything NG um, will be getting more, like you said, guidance and communication, uh, which is 
key because let's be honest, there's been quite the lack of communication and and thorough reasoning uh, behind everything that's going on. Uh, so that's why this meeting was really, truly brought to call. Um, I did make a post on every single district's Facebook page uh, stating, hey, if there's this known issue that you have um, that's not listed here, because I put quite a bit of examples down, um, feel free to you know ask it. And I'm going to send this to every director uh, and member of the EC. Uh, so folks, if you're if you're thinking of something that might not be on that list, just give it a give it a quick check. Uh, I'm going to send that out probably later this week. Um, and then also, uh, you were talking about the postal ballot for, uh, stamp duplicates. Uh, usually in the past stamp duplicates were only good for what? 30 days, right? 30 days. And the animal had to be under six months of age. Right. So now it, they're going to be good until, did I see September or June? Uh, I think I saw June. I think it was, there was something about September, but then I think if it, continued um it was going to be up until december depending on the situation i think it was a situational but allowed to um continue up until december if needed oh here it is hold on yeah i'm looking um, forward to <laughs> <laughs> um so acceptance of an agda stamp duplicate application for registration dated on or after february 18th will be permitted for any animal in lieu of a certificate of registration or recordation until september 15th 2021 mm -hmm. the board further authorizes authorizes the option to extend the date up to december 31st 2021 if warranted um so and then that'll extend the receipt of the stamp duplicate for right. more than the 30 days too as well boy i, I hope we don't need it come december <laughs> i know <laughs> Can you imagine oh, oh no no i mean there's so many things that start to get influenced by just your registration numbers alone that if we don't have this system up by december we're going to have issues with our i mean if we have it if we don't have it up sooner we're going to have issues but we're going right. to have issues with um, superior genetic calculation. We're going to have issues potentially with new does freshening and not having registration numbers to have the um, CDCB data connected to them. And um, so, I mean, right as it is, I don't, I believe we're not able to have um, young sire development program numbers right now. Um, no, because there's no way. Well, first gene, is that is the young sire is Gene the one that puts it in the system and that's what calculates it or do they calculate it and then Gene puts it in the system for ADCA genetics? So I don't quote me on this, but I think Gene's role is um, entirely different. I think that's a performance program um, pro uh, project that Lisa Shepard is the or Lisa and now Jim are the ones who handle those calculations okay. and put it out. And then Gene just transfers that information onto the Agda genetics site. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, any kind of performance program. I mean, and I don't even know, is, is that kind of stuff coded for NG? I mean, it's supposed to be, but who knows? And that's, that's one of the questions uh, for the meeting, I suppose. <laughs> um, but those were really the big things. Uh, linear appraisal, 
15th has come and gone. So if you didn't sign up for linear appraisal, you can still sign up, I believe, but it's just you got to pay a late fee. Yes, I think it's $75 instead of the 45. And mm-hmm. I believe that even though there's a late fee, they're a little bit more um, restricted. Your Even though linear appraisal is going to be restricted anyway, your late fee people are definitely going to be much more restricted from what mm-hmm. I've he- heard than um, your normal registry people or timeline registry people. You're right. And now, so now we just sit back and wait and see what happens as far as when a schedule is going to come about, I'm sure there's a ton of people that signed up this year because last year was a no-go. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's, I bet you, this is just me. I bet you maybe half of the people that signed up get seen. Yeah. I don't even, I mean, there are ways that they can make it work. And obviously on a shortened timeline, if you look at past schedules, you see kind of one appraiser would go for a week and then another appraiser would go for another week. And there'd be a little bit of overlap, but not much, but that was also based on their schedules and what mm-hmm. they could do. But I mean, if they could theoretically put, I don't know if we have not, you know, what number of appraisals we appraisers will have, but let's say we have nine, if they could send out nine on the road in one week and cover nine territories and then, you know, give them a week off and then send them out again and, you know, nine appraisers, that's in three weeks time, you've covered 18 territories. And I think usually there's 20 something. Obviously, that's a perfect world where these poor appraisers have nothing. They're just, you know, sitting by the phones, twiddling their thumb, waiting for Jim to call them and say, it's time, we can go appraise, get out of the road. Exactly. So, you know, that's perfect world. And we know that these appraisers all have other things going on and um, different commitments. But I think if you schedule it, you can also shrink, in theory, again, I've never been a performance programs manager, so I'm kind of speaking as like, oh, this sounds good to me. Perfect world. (laughs) Exactly. Perfect world. But, um, you know, could you send several out on the road at a time and get your appraisals done in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, instead of having this April to... um, you know, October window. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. So, and you guys signed up to be a host herd this year, right? Yes. So, um, we every we've been appraising since I think 2011, and or yeah, 2011 sounds about right. Um, and have pretty much always been a host herd or brought to a local herd, but. The past several years, our herd's just been big enough that, and there's enough interest in the area that we can create a um, a host herd and in the Millbrook area and have 40 or so goats present. And I think this year, with the way it stands, we're probably going to have close, if we can have an, uh, an appraisal session, we'll probably even have close to 60 with just the interest and um people coming and what they're bringing. So it's going to be a good day, a fun day if we get appraised and lots of goats to be seen and the appraisal appraiser will. Well, I'll only have three. So yeah, no, your three will probably be (laughs) a drop in the bucket. Small drop in the bucket. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, the efficiency of it, we have, you know, the appraiser will potentially be at our stop and we'll see, 
one, two, three, four, five, six herds, or no, set probably even seven herds in one stop, so has no travel time. So um, I know last right. year, we ha- or in 2019, we had our appraiser come, and I forget how he probably did over, he had to do over 40 animals, and then had to drive an hour, and thankfully wasn't, you know, an hour is nothing, but, and then do another appraisal, but with the number we can kind of have come, maybe that's a one day for them. And there's not right. an hour in the car that they have to, you know, make up to. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, everything goes as planned. Um, it's been a weird year. So I'm just, I'm just happy that they opened up the application process. That's one, one good way to start. Um, Thanks, uh... But we'll, we'll move on to our topic for today, which I've gotten quite a few messages and phone calls actually as well uh, regarding how to start a show. Uh, and I'm not talking about a podcast. If you want to ask about that, I, I can give you the information, but we're talking about how to start a uh, dairy goat show. Um, and some people have wanted to know how to start their own on their own property. Uh, some people have wanted to know how to start uh through a club or uh, through just a county fair and get it sanctioned with ADGA. Um, So first thing first, how do you start the process of putting on a dairy goat show? Now you're part of the progressive dairy goat club. You're the president. uh, So you are pretty well equipped with answering these questions as I am not. <laughs> so, so how, how do you, how do you start that process every year? So hold on, before I answer that question, I just okay. want to bring something kind of up really quick. Yeah. Um, this year, especially with NG and shows not having shows last year because of COVID, remember to support your small shows. Um, it's a lot financially to put on a show and if you're unable to bring juniors to the show and you're bringing less than what you normally bring, those are entry fees that are not being um, contributed to your shows and are really essential to run shows. So uh, however you can support your shows, whether you contribute to the raffle, you buy raffle tickets, buy a shirt, make be a sponsor. Um, it's really vital for particularly small shows um, and with entries probably, especially early shows being affected, um, that they get their support from members however you can. So just remember, as you see posts on Facebook about raffles, that those raffles go to help put on these shows, or if you know you typically bring a handful of juniors and those juniors are staying home, maybe contribute that money to a raffle, or even, you know, however you can contribute, it really does help make these shows run and possible. So that's, you know, my little soapbox. I'll get off of it and we can talk about the <laughs> no, topic. It's but, great. It's great. You know, I agree. It's something to consider this year that as we're not necessarily bringing out as many animals that those clubs are affected. I think, I think this year people are going to come out in droves and they're going to bring what they bred. I think you're going to be surprised. I think numbers are going to be good for some, but for instance, the show in, um, Troy, Pennsylvania, they're having a few animals that their junior show, they're having a few animals that just can't come because of paperwork issues. And so, mm, you know, you're talking five animals co- that can't come and that's, 
you know, whatever their entry fee is. So I think in 50 bucks, exactly. And that can go pay some of the judges mileage or whatever it is. So, um, I think in some way areas numbers will be good, but also just make that conscious, you know, support your small shows. They need the, they need the support. And so, all right. So how do you start a show? The biggest thing to consider is your venue and um, whether that's a fairgrounds or a, your own property and start talking. If it's a fairground, you start talking to them and make sure the data is available and what kind of, um, restrictions they'll have and if the space is functional for your needs remember if you're going to have a trailer show people which is um where exhibitors show out of their trailer so they're not petting their animals in a barn but more so using their trailer and um, bringing extra fencing to kind of open the trailer up you're still going to have animals on the grounds so um just something to consider that you know some shows do do trailer shows so that this way their area can be spent for a covered ring and um but there is things that'll you know the grounds will kind of get used for that so make sure wherever you're doing it they're aware of what the purpose is and that dairy goats are will be coming in and so you, and you want a venue that'll accommodate that well. And possibly the other thing about that is try and have something that is trailer friendly. So you're getting people who can come in easily with their trailers. They don't have to worry about backing up as much or parking as easy <laughs> and uh, can just kind of come in and pull up and there's there's space and shade if possible in the summertime months um that's usually preferred but it's hard to come by sometimes no that is yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's i i find that the less stressful shows that i go to are first the cooler shows uh because when it's hot nobody's having fun Mm -hmm. Uh, well we're having fun but it's it feels like a chore and a job instead of just showing your goats right Mm -hmm. yeah uh so usually when I think of a show that I like to go to, it's usually the ones where it has open fields for parking in like sunny sisters up in uh, Massachusetts. It's just a big pavilion where they show. I might not be the biggest fan of the pavilion, but I'm, I'm a fan of the parking area because a lot of people go to that show and there's plenty of space to, to, you know, show out of your trailer. Like we last year we did just because COVID, um, but show out of your trailer, uh, you know, set up your fencing and you're not crammed next to each other. And if you're one of the people that like myself, that is conscious of it's herd and, and making sure I'm not next to somebody that might not test their animals. Uh, I, I kind of like showing out of trailers. I used to be like, oh, this is terrible. I want my own pens. And now I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty nice. I can set up my fencing and I'm good. Um, so no. that's that's one thing I think of when I think of a show that if I were to put one on, I'd want one with plenty of space for all those trailers. It, I mean, even workload wise, if I, I love a trailer show too, um, it just, first of all, I can kind of put my animals there, set up the pens and I'm good. And then when load up time, I put the animals kind of back on the trailer and clean up a little bit and I'm good versus cle- having to muck stalls if you have to for... Um, you know, if they're in pens and most fairgrounds require the grounds to be cleaned up afterwards. 
Um, the other thing is on a works on a workload thing for the people putting on the fair, you don't have to set up pens yourself. So you're not there, um, you know, the week before or the day before setting up a hundred pens, 150 pens to accommodate the, um, the goats that are going to be coming the next day right. and then taking them down afterwards. So. I like the, I like the shows where, uh, like Ultimate Buck Show, uh, where they have usually a 4-H club. It's like, oh, pay 10 bucks and we'll clean out your pen. And let me tell you, before I was like, ah, clean out my own pen. After the Buck Show, and I had just juniors that year, I was like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Keep the change. Clean out the pen. See you later. Hasta la bye-bye. So that's always no, a cool thing. it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I mean, in this area – we go to the shows that day. So you're leaving at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, maybe even earlier and mm-hmm. getting into the show and you're hitting the ground running. So not having to clean a pen is one less thing you have to do. And by the end of the day, even if you only had a few goats there, it's still going to be exhausting. So yep. yeah, no, I've definitely been here. Take the money, clean the pen. <laughs> We're good. I got to go. I don't, you know, Uh-oh. we got to drive home. So exactly. I that- totally understand that. I prefer also uh, for anybody that's thinking about putting on a show, I do like the shows where you can go the day before, uh, like the evening set up and then just relax. First of all, it helps your animals utter up and get, you know, get a full tummy. Uh, They're not spending the entire morning on the trailer, you know, starting at three, four o'clock in the morning on a trailer. Uh, So, so they're getting that nice bloom of their utter. Um, They're kind of more relaxed. Um, And then also, I've found that I hate going in and out in the same day. If it's like a three or four ring show, it's terrible. So I've had shows where we've thought about staying the night and then ended up just being miserably hot. And we're like, no, let's get out of here. But I kind of like the idea of um, shows that allow you to stay that night after the show uh, and then truck out the next morning. It doesn't, not a lot of shows do that, but. It's, it's definitely something to think about if you're thinking about putting on your own show. Yeah, and the other thing about it is if you can get particularly the night before and, if possible, the night after as well. And for the most part, if venues have you for one day, you should be able to have access to the night before and the day after. Um, but you also allow people to travel a little bit more distance to come to your show. So if you are in an area where it's a little bit more remote or you have a lot of your herds a little bit farther away, if you can have that access for the night before or the night after, um, or the, sorry, the day after, you're definitely going to be more attractive to other, to herds traveling a bit of a distance. Plus I granted, I haven't been in dairy goats very long, but, um, or, you know, a long time, but not compared <laughs> to, other, compared compared to, some, to yeah. others. Yeah. And I, you know, I've grown up with dairy goats, but I haven't, you know, you hear of talk of shows. It was, it used to be a much more social thing that you would, everybody would come the night before and hang out. And then throughout the day, you would only be at a one ring show instead of the three rings, four rings, and it would it's a social thing. And so I find a lot of the successful shows offer um, you the availability to come the night before. So you hang out with your goat friends and 
you don't have to, you set up that night, you don't have to stress and you can just have a good time and then yep. wake up the next morning and show instead of moving at three, four o'clock in the morning to get where you need to go. So if exactly. you can do a, you know, offer the availability for the night before. So say I have my own property or I've talked to a fairgrounds or someplace uh, to show, uh, to put on a show. Um, what would I do consider like, as far as like contacting ad good, I'm assuming there's some show forms that you have to fill out. Um, yes. So the first thing you're going to actually want before you contact Agta is you're going to have to finalize your judges. There is a list just for anybody who needs, there's a list. If you Google Agta judges, there's a whole list with all of the licensed judges for the year. If you are a new show or a show that's had 200 animals or less in the past, you can hire an apprentice judge, which is a separate section on the judges list. But if you are running a show that has had um, more than 200 animals, you'll have to hire um, just from the normal judges list. And so you can check them out kind of who's local to you, who's going to be a bigger draw. It's up to you as the show chair and, and your show committee to decide what you want. Um, the mm -hmm. one thing I will say about that is I've seen recently a lot of people trying to find judges and just asking for a blanket who can judge my show. Yeah. As judges, we are not allowed to solicit, um, solicit kind of that invite to judge. So we have to be approached. So that blanket statement of, I need a judge for an ag to show who can judge we can't respond to because that kind yeah. of is seen as soliciting. And, and then usually a day later, it's like, how come nobody commented on this? I know all these judges. Where are you? And it's like, well, you're breaking the rules, sweetie. <laughs> exactly. We're happy to judge and we're free to judge, but we can't tell you that until you contact us. Um, right. And so the other thing is, if you know you're going to have a show, remember that most places – in the country have shows in a kind of finite window of showing so from may to august and so our judging calendar books up pretty fast so mm -hmm. if you know you want are going to have a show and the date of the show feel free to contact your judges as soon as possible so this way they can put you on their calendar and um and book book it out so you're not hunting for right a um judge last minute because chances especially, are especially if you put on your show at like memorial day yeah or, don't do that <laughs> don't i don't know of it's very hard memorial day weekend is probably the busiest weekend for agda shows and so every year the mm -hmm. it's pretty much all judges are judging somewhere yeah. so it's like well better start that list like a year ahead of time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when it comes to putting together a show, uh, I'm assuming there's some sort of liability insurance that would be involved as far as either through whatever grounds you're going um, or your own farm or wherever have you. Uh, I'm assuming there's got to be some kind of insurance that needs to be uh, in place. So I would say it probably depends on the venue that you're at. 
I know with our show, we're required to have an insurance policy for um, the Champagne Classic, which is the show we hold. And we have to submit it to the um, to the fairgrounds. So this way they have it for their records. Um, I do know there are event policy um, insurance programs that you can use if it's just at your farm or um, you can get specific insurance policies for your club. Or um, the one thing also is to maybe reach out to your state club and see if they have insurance because there might be a way that they can help you put on or to cover your insurance through their insurance policy Mm -hmm. as well. And so with that in mind, um, obviously there's a budget that goes with the show. Um, I know each judge's price is different mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure different states and different areas has different liability insurance or what, what have you. Um, what's kind of the budget for, since we're New York um, and we're probably top end as far as pricing goes for anything, uh, what, what does a budget look like for a goat show before you even hit the ground? So your top, it depends. Your so your venue, I would say, ranges probably anywhere from one hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars, um, depending on your contract and what you need. Your judges' fee will probably be more dependent on where you're getting your judges from than your um, actual judges' cost. Your your all the judges have their own fees and it varies per judge um but ultimately your costs probably are going to be mileage um which most judges if they're charging you mileage charge at the federal rate um so and round trip so unless you have a judge who is backyard is the goat show you're gonna have to you know account for mileage Mm -hmm. um or airfare hotels as well so I would say you probably want to budget, and this is just kind of an estimate to kind of cover costs, but, and if you have a local judge, it probably won't be this much, but if you figure about um, $750 to $1,000 for a judge, it's kind of probably the ballpark of when, just, it's probably a little high for some, but that'll get you um, a good right estimate of what at least for around here what it costs to get a judge um from a little bit farther away might not necessarily be a local judge but to get one from there i know there's judges like uh bob bartholomew who lives in new york he drives everywhere he goes for his for his judging and like he went to texas right like a couple weeks ago and it's like holy cow (laughs) yeah can you imagine driving all the way to texas for a goat show for the weekend and then coming back (laughs) yeah i think bob likes to drive more than he likes to fly so he kind of probably enjoys the open road and also probably the safety of the open road right now versus yeah um, the airports i mean i i Maybe he likes the the wind in his hair. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, but most judges do fly um, if we can. The point point with that joke was that each each judge is different, right? Mm. Oh, exactly. So pricing is definitely going to fluctuate. There could be some that are way less, like you said, and there could be some that are going to be higher. It Mm -hmm. just depends. And, And 
if you're in a crunch, sometimes you can't be picky. You gotta, you want to judge. <laughs> Pony up. <laughs> yeah. And it is okay. I know as we're, when we're selecting judges, we do look at airfare beforehand when we're trying to find um, a judge and just kind of get an estimate of what that's going to be. So this way we know going in, okay, this flight right now is probably going to be a $300 flight or this flight we can get them from a hub airport to New York. And so it's going to be a little cheaper. So maybe we'll go with that. Um, and you can feel free to, to reach out to a judge. And before you say, okay, we want you ask them for the quote and ask them to say, oh, can you give me a rough estimate on what your pricing is going to be and what the cost of your airfare will be too. Um, we're happy to provide that and, um, or, you know, judges right. are typically happy to provide that and talk to you about that if you need. So you've got your, you've got your judge. Mm -hmm. Then I'm assuming and location, I'm assuming the next thing is to apply through ADGA to get the show sanctioned. Correct. Yes. So you need uh, to sanction the breeds you want to have um, sanctioned for the show. So you can decide if you want to put, so you have to decide if you want to put anything in the AOP class, which is the all other purebreds class. And um, as well as what breeds you want to have official that day. And so the rule of thumb is if you can, if you expect that you're going to have 10, um, 10 or more animals for the show, you can make that, that breed official. And then if you know numbers are going to be tight for all of your purebred breeds, um, or so for everything except recorded grade class, you can right. put them into the AOP class. So like progressive and other shows in our area in the past, uh, it seems like we have plenty of Oberhasli in our area these days. Uh, we have plenty of Nubians and plenty of Alpines. Um, and then generally, I mean, sometimes we'll get Togs, enough Togenberg. Sometimes we'll, we'll get enough La Mancha, depending if Lynn comes, you know, uh, you know, it depends, just depends on what breeders show up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so usually AOP around here, uh, tends to be La Mancha. If Lynn doesn't come, uh, it, it tends to be, um, Sonnens, Sables, uh, now Guernseys, I'm sure. Uh, those are the breeds in our area and every area is different. You know, some area, one area might have a couple herds in the area that have, that bring 15 Sonnens each, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So it's definitely smart to know your area and know the breeders that would probably be willing to come. So you can set what breeds you think will san sanction. Um, now you can, definitely can't rely on um, those breeders every single time. I know in the past for Oberhasli, we've got four or five different breeders in the area and there has been shows where it's like, Ooh, we're cutting it close. Hey, do you have any more of any more animals hiding in the barn? Uh, so exactly. <laughs> it, it just depends. So I, I would say, keep that in mind when you're trying to set up uh, what breeds you're going to have that will sanction and then what breeds you'll need to push into AOP that aren't recorded grades slash experimentals. Yes. And you will need two exhibitors per breed in order to make it official as well. Mm -hmm. So 
What that means, though, is that you need two separate AGDA IDs being owners of those animals. So uh, technically, you a farm could bring the whole breed and make it official, but they would have two IDs for those animals, which is no fun, but um you know for some of these well, breeds. depends who it is i guess you know <laughs> well, i mean don't get me wrong some people do you know do that and when they have no choice because mm-hmm. they're the only breeder in the area they will bring all 10 to make their breed official or as close to 10 as possible well if they if and then just have two different ideas um, right. but you do need things two exhibitors for each breed to be official as well the one thing I've seen that's worked really well is people put out the date or in advance and say, we're having a show here. What breed, you know, what do you want to, what are you thinking of bringing and what breeds are you bringing so I can get numbers? And so this way, half a year out or however early it is, you kind of get to see, okay, we should be good on Toggenbergs and all right, the Sonnens just aren't making the numbers. And so I'm definitely going to move them into my AOP division and Sables will put in there and okay, now we've got, you know, I have a commitment from enough people to move the Sonnens out. So reach out to people. It also helps to them. They can put the show on their calendar ahead of time too, but reaching out and saying, Hey, what are you bringing? Can I get an idea? Definitely helps you base the base, what you are going to be putting in your AOP. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have an AOP division, the other thing is, Oh, go ahead. You don't need to, to, um, first of all, you don't need to have an AOP division and you don't need to sanction all breeds. So, um, a popular thing is some Nigerian dwarf, shows will be only nigerian dwarfs they will sanction a show just for their breed if you know that in your area you only have nigerian dwarf over hosley and nubians and there's no point of even um sanctioning anything else because they just don't exist you don't have to so um just something else to note as well right so you set your breeds you sent, I'm guessing it's an application that you send in. Yes. Um, it's currently on the NG sites. Um, so you, I think there should be still a paper application that you can send, but you will be able to send it online as well. The other thing with that, you have to decide that I didn't mention yet is you have to decide what type of show you're having. So there are three types of um, dough shows. There are, or, uh, well, yes, yeah, so there's three types. There is an open, sh- or maybe let's, let me just go through them. <laughs> <laughs> there is an open dough show. There is a junior dough show. There is a senior dough show. Uh, yeah, I think those are the three. So the open dough show allows you to show um, seniors and juniors in that show. Mm-hmm. And what that does is if it's a um if it's a fair where it's only one ring it may it allows you to have your junior champion and your senior champion and then a grand champion overall right if it's a club show you'll often find that because um to make it a leg official you can have 10 animals of a breed and only eight need to be in milk so you can pull up two juniors from 
the you can show two juniors in that open doe show right and um get that make that 10 does so that is one way that they can get that number to that magical number 10 to make um the breed official and then the senior doe show would be all seniors and then the junior doe show is all juniors right i think hope that makes sense no it makes perfect sense and then there's the buck show Mm -hmm. uh just bring your stinky animals and and you know, it might be a farm dog, might be a buck, who knows? <laughs> and, the, and the buck shows, they do not have a separate show no. for um, juniors. You can never have a senior buck show and a junior buck show. for. Um, yeah. It's all just one. Yeah, I learned that the hard way my first year showing Orion. Uh, and I, I forget who the judge was, but they made him uh, basically reserve. And I was like... Oh, there's no fancy ribbon for my little guy. Oh. <laughs> no, just a just a title, and that yeah. that is something I think that a lot of um, particularly new exhibitors don't understand when they see the open show, and um, there's an open show with entries available for their junior animals, and then a junior show, and so they'll either enter both or they'll just enter in the open show and wonder why there's no competition for their doe kid um yeah and <laughs> i want to touch on this real quick yeah please do so uh progressive has a junior doe show and mm -hmm. then an open doe show so i was like oh i'm gonna i believe i put i put my juniors in the open doe show because i was like oh you know but then i was like well, I got to show them again. Why am I doing this? And I was like, it was like the hottest day. So, I mean, if you want to do it, great. I mean, it gets your dough experience uh, and also brings money to to the event. Um, so I didn't mind that way. But by the end of the day, I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, we, we do try. I would say that some shows do put in their um, entries that their junior doughs junior doe entries in the open show are only applicable if they need to pull your doe out to make the class official others right. will let you um others will let you enter it and some we kind of kept it because we had years ago we've had exhibitors who would bring all their does in the morning and wanted an opinion from the judge and wouldn't want to stay in the afternoon so they would show their juniors in the morning and mm -hmm. show their milkers and they would be happy. They got the, you know, the critique from the judge and the placements and what they wanted. We have other right. people who have 4-H kids that they just want to show in the ring as many times as they can. And so those kids will drag those juniors out. The judge will say, you know, place them and evaluate them or give their <laughs> reasons. Sorry. And yeah. then they'll, you know, they'll come out again. And then there's always a few people that we try and just talk to because, they just don't know. And so they'll put the goats in the wrong class. Um, and so we just try and make sure that's sure the one thing of that before, <laughs> you know, it's just making sure that people know that if those animals are in there, they're usually not have a lot of, they don't have a lot of competition um, because for the most part, everybody with juniors will show them in the afternoon. Right. The other good thing it is, it is um, good for is when you have specialty shows and so district specialties are for the um, 
particular breed. So for instance, you'll, you could be the district for a progressive this year, we're going to be the district two over Hosley specialty and the district Woo. two uh, <laughs> and the district two <laughs> Alpine specialty. So mm-hmm. all you exhibitors with your Alpines and your over Hosley, we expect to see you on July 10th at the progressive dairy goat show. We got to start Classic. pushing that by the way. Yeah. So I know, I know it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so, but um, with that, you have access to group classes and the group classes happen um, after the champion of that breed is selected. Right. But group classes need to be animals that have been judged previously that day. So because we haven't judged our juniors, if you need a junior to make a get a sire, that animal needs to have been shown a, under the judge. So that's kind of one of the other reasons we'll have our open doe show instead of just a senior doe show. So for the for the group classes is that with the specialties that Uh, is only with well the group class rule applies to all um all group classes but for club shows most of the time they don't have group classes unless they're specialties mm -hmm. group classes usually are at premium shows like fairs or um, yep and things like that yeah, those fun group classes at fairs when you're running around trying to figure out what in the world's going on. It's a rodeo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> when you have when you have enough people that you or when you need to fill uh, three get a sires and that means uh, nine goats in the ring and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's fun. Uh, okay. So you've got you've got everything sent out to Adga. Um, they approve it. I'm sure that takes a little bit of time. Uh, by the way, let's just put it here. When do you start your planning process for a show? Because you're not going to like say, oh, in in July, it's now end, or middle of April, I, I'm going to put on a show. You probably don't start it now. You probably start much earlier, right? So we typically, as the Progressive Club, we have a wrap-up meeting after the show, and then we start maybe the next meeting planning for our next year. Um, We like to have our judges selected before the next calendar year. So this Mm -hmm. way they're on the books. Um, This year was a little later, but um, typically we like to have them as, Oh no, I guess we did select our judges. It was like December. It was December of 2021 or 2020. So yeah. So we like to have our judges booked before then. Um, We more or less ask the venue to just extend to do it the next year right away um and just kind of repeat the whole process over again so um there's a lot of planning that goes on before (laughs) so so basically early as early as you can think of as early as (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) so so you get that uh timetable um you get that all set uh Adga approves your show. You've got your judges lined up. You've got your venue. Um, now, here's the thing that most shows try to do is make a little bit of money for the club, right? That's kind of the 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 draw for clubs to put them on is mm-hmm. is you're trying to make a little bit of money so you can keep the shows going every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, what is – we've mentioned raffles. Uh, we've mentioned um, – you mentioned briefly – sponsorships um which is people sponsoring each rings for certain breeds um i know us as a podcast ringside have sponsored different shows and their rings 
uh, in the past. Um, my farm has as well. Uh, I always try to try to support um, shows the best way I can. Um, and if that's the easiest way, then that's what we do. Um, but what what are like some means that that clubs or I guess individuals, uh, but mostly clubs um, to, to keep it going and, and make that money? So t-shirts are another one. I see a lot of people do um, t-shirt sales. There's mm-hmm. one show in Virginia who does unlimited entries for a certain amount. Um, so the donut show that Sherry um, Perino does in Virginia, they have unlimited entries. So you pay earlier and you pay a certain number or a certain fee and you can enter as many animals as you want, but the cash is in hand earlier so that this way they can cover expenses earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of raffles where you buy a ticket and you are entered into either like a 50, 50 raffle or a, um, you know, win an ultrasound or a shipping semen tank or pens or high trailers. Exactly. High ticket items that you're going to, um, you know, want to spend money on. And then sponsorships are also a big one of whether, like you said, um, sponsoring a ring, a breed, just the show in general are huge. And then I've seen, I've noticed a trend lately. I know the state show, I guess two years ago now, um, did uh, a buck kid auction, like different breeds of buck kids uh, that were from uh, good breeders and good breedings. were auctioned off and and that the proceeds went towards uh the club um so i've seen that as well uh, which it seems like it's fun i think you'd have to have a pretty big show in order to make it really successful uh if you're if you have a show where you're barely making sanction um <laughs> it might not be the draw <laughs> well, for yeah. an auction <laughs> for each breed you need at least two bidders and you know yeah, how yeah, far yeah. are they gonna fight and go before your price you know they max out that price I got, so i got this bucket for five dollars <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> nobody else wanted this one yeah i was the only i was the only newbie and breeder here so i was the only one and now i'm in, and because of that i had to buy him no. or or Though this is just this is more of a disclaimer for spotlight sales and Colorama sales. Um, you sit next to Lynn Fleming, and she tries to talk you into anything and everything. Her favorite is to form syndicates and buy whatever, and so somehow you're bidding on an alpine that you never thought you would be adding to your herd. So, disclaimer if you're at a spotlight show or sale or Colorama sale and you're not looking to add anything. Lynn, you don't want to sit next to her because she'll try to talk it that down. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that is, if you walk away with two things from this podcast, support your local shows and be careful of sitting next to Lynn at a spotlight sale or a Colorama sale because well. <laughs> she is always happy to support those those uh events and try and get you involved as well and 
Well, Nate's not here to defend himself, but he's also probably one that you don't want to sit next to as well because he's guilty of purchasing one himself. But he purchases. He doesn't get you involved in the purchase as well. So you can just watch him and enjoy him, you know, raising his hand and saying, yep, 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 I'm going in. We're getting this. And no. (laughs) $40,000. Exactly. Oh, shoot. Do you take credit cards? And by credit cards, plural, because these are getting maxed out. Do you take Sears Roebuck? (laughs) (laughs) Can that uh, be an IOU? (laughs) um, Now, I see a lot of shows that um, also incorporate 4-H. And usually that that is um, portrayed as showmanship um, classes for the kids. Um, Now, I know Progressive does it. Uh, Tierney and I are in charge of making the plaques for the kiddos and it's going to be really nice. Uh, but do you feel that that also adds to the draw of the show? Uh, because not only is it more uh, income for the club uh, by adding in those goats in those classes, um, but it is also getting kids involved and excited and probably parents like, well, now I have to go to this show. Um, so do you think that that's a good draw for any show? I think it depends on the area, honestly, more than anything. Um, I know the Progressive Club is offering it more because we can than we're um, we're expecting it to bring in a lot of extra exhibitors. For the most part, our local 4-Hers are showing at the show anyway, mm-hmm. um, and are you know bringing their animals there so we might get a few extra kids but it's more because we have the means and the means to offer it and i mean we um, have a lot of 4-h kids that show goats we do and a lot of sponsored kids who are there anyway with um their you know the owners of the goats Mm -hmm. and so we so it's i think we're in an area where um we have a really strong population of kids who are expecting an agda show at their county fair which is not always the case for everybody so it gives them a chance to just practice or if they're going to nationals um another chance to practice as well before that national show showmanship so it could be a draw it could also be more of a um community kind of community service of something you're offering to the kids to help promote them to get them more involved in these AGDA shows. Um, You could have, there are areas where kids are only really showing in 4-H. They're not showing in that open show and open shows are scary because you're competing against exhibitors (laughs) who, you know, have been raising goats for 50 years, you know, whatever it is. And I show in showmanship because it is scary. (laughs) (laughs) So um, maybe next year we'll do an adult showmanship. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it gets people there and it gets these kids um, at a show where maybe they wouldn't necessarily go to. So it definitely is good. Plus, it gives them a chance to practice their showmanship skills. And I know that because we have shows like Progressive where we're going to have showmanship and Dutchess County has in the past had a great youth show and um, our 4-H program is really strong and we really do focus on um, for showmanship with these kids and showing um, AGDA, you know, in the AGDA, um, in, uh, AGDA youth show, 
Right. Those kids, if any of them wants to sh- want to show my ghost at a show, I will happily hand them the collar because um, they show amazingly. <laughs> so. Well, well, that's like um, uh, Jack and Michael uh, that show. I guess they have Oberhausley now, but they also have Alpines. Um, the Coveys. Yes. Oh yeah, the Hagenbergs heavily too. Right. Right. And that was my first like, oh, man, I really need to pay attention moment was last year in a ring where I felt like I was like battling between me and Michael, who's an amazing showman with any animal he grabs. He can make him look like a million bucks. And I'm just like going back and forth. And I won. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can see the judge like, mm, hmm, hmm, like looking at each animal. Uh, so I think that showmanship would be fun for the kids as well because it makes a competitive uh, environment for them uh, between each other. I mean, I know even in a non-showmanship uh, class like I like that, I was uh, it was fun. It was fun to walk out and be like, ha, yeah, <laughs> and joke yeah, about it, you know. No. Well, because showmanship is so important and can right. hide flaws and also or accentuate them if you're not showing the animal correctly. And so a showman showing an animal properly can make a difference of where it's placed and Mm -hmm. um, potentially put that animal ahead or, you know, or hinder. So it's vital for. So we've got, we've got everything set up with the show. Uh, Then it comes down to, we got everything from Adga. They sent us the ribbons. Um, They we've, we've got, we've gone on Facebook's, and we've blasted this show that we're putting on. Um, and pretty much what's left to do is if it's at a county fair uh, grounds or your own personal grounds, uh, is setting up a ring and also pens if that's what you what the show is doing. Or if it's a trailer show, just set up your trailers. Um, so have those worked out. Figure out where you're going to find the pens. If you're at fairgrounds, usually they have them that you can... Do they rent them to us or... Is it just like, yeah. oh, you can use them? It's so it's part, at least for us, it's part of our um, contract that they'll, mm-hmm. for the progressive show when we're at um, New Paul's and Ulster, they will help us. We've contracted them out that they will help us set up the pens and they'll let us use them and set them, set them up. Some fairgrounds will let you use them it's all about a conversation with those fairgrounds managers to what they'll allow, what they have. I know the progressive show, we are limited in pens just simply by what they have available for us. So, um, you know, they can only set up a hundred pens. That's not the number, but let's, Mm -hmm. you know, call it a hundred pens because that's all they have pen wise. So they're not going to give you extra pens than what they have, but um, it all just depends on, the fairgrounds so some fairgrounds have built-in pens already um some won't so it's talking to those fairgrounds and what they right. have available just hashing it out with them exactly um and then you can always also set up uh maybe some food vendors if you want to do that or tell people bring your own food since it's a covid world you sh- i'm sure a lot of people are saying you know bring your own food if you want to eat um or they'll say, hey, we have a food truck coming. You can, you can still purchase food or whatever. Um, so definitely hash that out of what you can do for drinks for people. If it's hot out, you're definitely going to want to offer water for sale or soda or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then food arrangements. 
Uh, once you do that, you have your pen set up, you find a group of people to help you set them up, of usually volunteers. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, and then you're waiting for show day. Uh, you find yourself a group of people, a show secretary. Um, do you want to, so, you want to do that way ahead of time? Exactly. So every show, just so everybody knows, is going to need a show secretary and a show chairman for an ag distinction show. And those show secretary and the show chairman cannot be the same person. Right. Um, so you need to find two people. The other thing you're going to want to find is a ring steward. So somebody who can help you check in animals to make sure that all the animals for the class are present as well um and you want one you'll need a set of that like a show secretary show chairman and a ring steward your show chairman and your ring steward could be the same person but you want to have that per each per ring now to find somebody that uh to do that is that you have to go on some kind of list or is it just word of mouth or can it be anybody so it can be anybody the show chairman is more or less always the one kind of organizing the show typically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those responsibilities, I don't believe are outlined in ANDA in any real way. And the show secretary is the one who kind of has a little bit more specific responsibilities in the ANDA world. So day of show, the show secretary is responsible for checking in all the animals, making sure that they have a registration cer- registra- bleh, a registration <laughs> certificate or a stamp duplicate um, that is an AGDA registered animal. Um, most shows will accept, or AGDA shows will accept AGS paperwork or the Canadian dairy goat paperwork, but that is it. Um, an AGDA show cannot accept any mini registries or international dairy goat registries. Um, they only accept AGDA and then the Canadian and then the AG, uh, American Goat Society paperwork. You gotcha. Um, yeah, <laughs> just, to, you know, <laughs> as we're going through this and everybody's trying to register anything for an AGDA show, you can only have those registration certificates from those animals. So right. then they are also responsible for filling out the ROA, which is the report of awards. And there's a, um, if anybody becomes a show secretary, I definitely recommend, first of all, there's a bunch of resources on the AGDA website, but then in your guidebook, there is a whole section on showing and how to fill out the report of awards. It's like Um, the biggest part of the show. It's, I feel like it's bigger than even getting your grand champion and reserve grand champion. Like, that that needs to be set like written out perfectly or it can mess up a ton of things. Yeah. So the I know that when I was younger and filling out those report of awards when I won something, it was drilled into my head, and this is for anybody showing, check it and check it and double check it. Because if the that information is not correct, you're gonna lose your that leg that your animal just won. Mm-hmm. Um And there's a whole different, I mean, as far as what is filled out, the show committee, um, the AGDA show committee each year sees report after award after report after award that have errors, that um, information just isn't correct. Whether it's the number of milkers reported in a show does not match the number of animals possible or 
the right. exhibitors and champion challenge. There's all these things. So for any show secretary, make sure you read the, um, the Agda guidebook in terms of what the regulations are for that. It's once you read it and understand it, it's fairly easy to kind of fill it out and do that. The other thing is if you ever have any question, ask your judge. The judges have been trained extensively on what goes where in these report of awards. So um, they can help answer any questions that you have as the process goes forward. Right. So we've set that up. We're at show day. Um, and you're good to go. Uh, then it's time to just put on a good show. Uh, make sure that it try to get it to run as smoothly as possible. So people want to return in the future. Um, and yeah, that's about, I think that's like from start to finish. Like I think show. we just put on a show. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I probably had four or five people. They're like, Hey, do you happen to know how to put on a show, uh, that's sanctioned? And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of, but I've never had to do it myself. Uh, so I thought this was like a really good topic to have for the guests to listen to. Um, the guests, I guess the listeners. Would be <laughs> the <better>. listeners. <laughs> yeah, Danielle, you no. have to listen to this right now after, after we're done. Yeah, I, I exactly. set it up. <laughs> that, oh, hold on. That was what I wanted to bring up. So yeah. you start no. this podcast every time and it is sit back and relax or something like that. I don't think right. you know where your what your listeners are doing when they're listening to this podcast because I'm sure as many dairy goat breeders, we are not sitting back and relaxing very often and listening to a podcast. Well, I, 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 I'm I'm listening while I'm doing chores or driving somewhere. I'm not. This is well, not a. <laughs> when you're doing <laughs> chores, I mean, take a second, sit down after you're done with that milker, wait for her to eat. Sit back, relax, and listen to the show. No, if I was sitting back and relaxing while I was waiting for these goats to be done, I, my chores would take five hours each day. What's wrong gotta, with that? I got other stuff to do. Well, listen, maybe you should be milking three does like I am, and then you'll have time to sit back and relax and, and listen to the podcast, you know? And then I would have, as Nate calls them, a whole barn full of barn bums instead of the <laughs> ones I do have well, now. No, you gotta, you gotta do the tyranny method, which is <laughs> buy one, sell eight. Or buy one and post the whole herd for sale as a uh, April Fool's yeah. Day broke. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun day. Oh my God. Go <laughs> tyranny. Let the record show that that was awesome. And okay. tyranny killed it. You know oh my God. Next year, so for that for that little support of that conundrum that she created, uh, next year when I breed that Nigerian, guess who's showing her? Hey, you. Alice? <laughs> no, you. <laughs> maybe maybe she'll fine. walk for if Alice. You, if you breed your Nigerian, I will show that Nigerian baby. Don't worry. <laughs> Just pick it up and carry it. That works. No, I. If you, if the Nigerian has a doe kid that you guys keep, and she shows, no, we're not keeping any. Exactly. So I will gladly show any that you keep. Don't worry. All the Nigerians you keep, uh, I will show them. That's that's. I know it's not going to happen, so that's why it's I can not. say it. <laughs> no, you can show. You can show the Guernseys. That's fine. <laughs> so. uh well, Danielle, I really appreciate you stepping in and uh, helping us out with this topic. Um, oh, my pleasure. It's, Happy to be here. It's always <laughs> a pleasure uh, to have you on here. And it, you're always a hit 
with the listeners. I always get great feedback when you're on here. So okay. I'm sure today will be uh, just the same. Oh, um, good. <laughs> and yeah, I'm sorry, Nate couldn't be here. I know he's your favorite out of the two of us. <laughs> uh, so you just had to suffer through me today. Oh, no, um, it's fine. Hopefully that <laughs> lamb is okay. And yeah, so, I don't know. It reprieve. wasn't sounding. It wasn't sounding very oh. good. Uh, the poor thing came with a low temperature, apparently. So, oh no, you know how it goes with that. Yeah, it's hard to get him back up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna wrap this up here. Uh, everybody, thank you for joining us on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. That's Danielle, and we'll enjoy the rest of your week, I guess. Take care, everyone. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.